We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Tuesday, Tuesday, September 27th, and uh, right in the midst of uh, an NFL season. MLB is about uh, we got what a week left, something like that. A couple of days left. When when is that? What is the end of MLB season? Is it this Sunday? Is that the end? Do they play another couple of days? I have no idea. I don't. I don't. I don't pay attention. I have no idea. I got to pay attention today, though. Today I'm going to be on MLB uh, Grinders Live later today. That's at five o'clock Eastern, going over the twelve game slate for today. I already got my prize picks in. I already got my prize picks and my underdog stuff in. So, uh, so I, I, I am paying attention somewhat to baseball, but I'll be covering that on Grinders Live. Good morning, people in the chat. Wata, Suki Singh, as usual. Doug Montgomery even joins in on with the early birds. Uh, Jose Garcia, Rob Gar- Gardner. Give me those thummy thumbs. Hit the thumbs up button. Helps us out. It always helps us out here. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I typically, uh, you know, if, if I can, stay up until like 1, 1.30 in the morning just to, uh, to, to see what the, the price fix board is and uh, and get those numbers early. Some of the numbers you can't get anymore. I mean, a lot of some of these numbers you can't even get anymore. So, like, uh, some some are still out there. So that doesn't necessarily mean that, that maybe maybe they're not as great as I think because I just basically compare the bat projections to prize picks, and then if there's enough of, of a discrepancy, I, I I make these the pairs and everything. So uh, so I, I know they had Marquez. Marquez was at four and a half last night. He's up to five. Snell was at six and a half. He's up to seven. Uh, then we got, uh, what else did I get? Uh, let's see what else is here. Anything else that moved? I have the greens under seven and a half. Now 
It what it opened at six and a half. Now it's up to seven and a half. But uh, I have the under now. Mitch Keller, Mitch Keller over four and a half. Questionable. Granky over three, depending on his pitch count. You could take that. Uh, Carrasco. I, I think that the the biggest difference right now. I'm surprised it's not up to six. Is a Carrasco over five and a half because in the in the bat, he's at uh, six point five eight. So the five and a half looks looks pretty good over on Prize Picks and Underdog still has it at, at at five and a half also. So I got some of those in uh, while you know the while baseball's still going, and then I'll probably be doing basketball stuff and then football. Like uh, when the Blitz gets updated later tonight, I'll, I'll load up the Blitz and then just go to the NFL stuff and go. Okay, what can we get here? What can we get here for for NFL? I just compare the projections. That's it. Not complicated. It's really it's really not complicated. Just have to get it early. Don't, don't, oh, well, let, let me take a look at this Sunday morning. Like, no, that Sunday morning, I ain't looking at anything unless there's some news that hits, right? Like, like, yeah, like yesterday uh, uh, with, with Gallup. Like, Gallup practiced all week. I, t- I, I had the Noah Brown under 52 and a half, and it went all the way down to like, like 37 and a half yesterday. Like yesterday morning, so I'm like, okay, I'm good. I, I, Gallup's gonna play. I got the Noah Brown under 52 and a half, and then it's like Gallup's gonna be inactive. It's like, well, what the hell is he gonna be inactive? Well, apparently he's gonna be inactive. Apparently he's not ready to play. So obviously the Noah Brown prop should be much higher than 37 and a half. Maybe not as high as 52. So I 37 and a half. I mean, he was projected for like 46 or something like that. So as as almost as a hedge, I just started. You know, whatever I got left, I just Noah Brown over. I, I paired him with like baseball and MMA and anything that I could find. So, uh, so yeah, so Noah Brown went over on the 37 and a half. He went over on the 52 and a half. So I lost those, but uh, but I, I, I kind of broke even. I think I lost. I maybe, maybe on, on all the Noah Brown stuff, I think I lost 10, 10%, right? Cause I, cause I hedged the other way with the 37 and a half. I was hoping to get the middle if I got to be. If he, if he just stayed at like 48 yards or something, then that would have been great. I would have won both. But uh, that's that that that's the, the name of the game over on uh, Prize Picks and Underdog. Just get the best numbers, right? Just get, if you're getting the best numbers and they're at least like minus 137s, they at least have a 58% win probability. Like you're 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 good. You're good. You're profiting. Uh, trigger in the chat, kicked her captain yesterday, Blender. I know I said, I said on yesterday's show on, I was on, uh, on the, the pre-lock show with, uh, with cards. And I said, uh, kicker captain. It, I, I, I don't play kicker captain. Like this. Uh, kicker captains, uh, rarely win, right? They win. I think this is the third time I've ever seen it win in a, in an Island game. Uh, they don't, they win like 1% of the time. If you, if you looked at all the DraftKings showdown contests on Island Games, at least, I mean, I, I, the data that I have, uh, it, it, it rarely ever wins. And when it does win, it's duped because of the cheat. Like any any time you're using a if, if you're using a cheap captain, which kickers are cheap, you know, typically in the four around four K, uh, and then you jam in like thirty plus percent on guys around them and spend most of your salary, like you're you're duped anyway. You duped any. So if you're going to play a kicker captain, you still have to leave like 4,000 on the table to even reduce your dupes. And then your win probability goes down even more than there. So like, like, like it doesn't, doesn't matter to me for large field GPPs. Like I'm, I'm just, I, I, I do not play these types of lineups, right? Look, it's spent $50,000, right? 
Right, oh, I was a 1.6%. Like, people look at it go, 1.6% owned captain. It's like there, there were 176,000 lineups in this in the large field contest. What's 1.6 of them? I'm doing the calculation. I'm, I'm opening up my calculator. That's still, uh, that's 2,816 lineups. 2,800 lineups have Graham Gano at the captain. And this one spends all 50,000. And it has, like, the highest owned players in it. Right? Barkley, Lamb, Jones. They have Ellie and Mar, but they're still they're still owned. So it's like, yeah, if, yeah. If you're investing fifteen bucks, and you're gonna okay, and you win ten thousand, and you win the the milli, splitting one hundred twenty three ways. I mean, if you want to do it, technically, mathematically, if you were to do that forever, you would lose money, right? But for fifteen bucks, you're not gonna live that long, right? If you're only playing fifteen bucks, you're playing one one lineup of slate in this half, okay, you did that fine. I, I get it. You don't mind duplication when you when you as much. It's still negative EV. It's just that you know if if you get lucky, you're not going to give it back. Only fifteen dollars per lineup. But if you had one fiftying, like this is disaster. This is disaster. You'd you'd have if you won fiftied and played these types of lineups every slate. You you you'd have you'd have to win and chop like this like nine times throughout the season just to break even. Just to break even, you you have to win nine showdowns. To break even. Right. Because remember, you're putting in like three grand. You're putting in $22.50 or whatever. It's $15. $22.50, And if you're playing heavily duplicated lineups, you may be you may be losing like 50-60% per slate on average. Like a thousand bucks per slate on average. And let's say you play threat like just the island games. Three. So that's straight. So on average, ma- maxing out 150. You're losing like $1,000 on average. So that's like $3,000 per week, right? So you 3000 per week times how many weeks? We have 18 weeks. So we're not including Thanksgiving or anything like that. So like 18 weeks. You're losing like $54,000 doing that on average. And then how many times do you, do you have to, you have to, if you have a 10K chop or something like that, you're going to have to do that five times, six times. Even if that, but a lot of times you're going to put in 2250 or 3000 or something and, and minus 90%, right? So it's like, it's quite, you know, easily. So like, just think of, think of the math behind that. Like you just, why 115? If you're playing a couple of lineups, it's t- technically the same thing. It's just that when you win 10,000, it's like when you're only playing $50 a slate and you're losing, if you're playing 50, if you're playing uh, four lineups for 60 bucks, you're probably losing 45 bucks on average per slate, right? But over the course, yeah, if you chop once for 10,000, you're fine. Okay. I, I, fine. The low, when you're playing low amounts and you're like, oh, okay, I don't mind, I don't, I, I don't mind chopping the milli 10 ways for a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, okay. Okay. I get it. I get it for that. Uh, Dave Jones says, I won $20,000 in week two in the NFL, the NFL spy contest on DraftKings. Oh, okay, Dave. Just letting people, just letting people know. Just letting people know. Matt Meir says, uh, near the end of the third quarter, I was tied for first in the main GPP. By the end of the game, not even cashing. Yeah, they're welcome to showdown. Yeah, showdown could be brutal. Red off, not even looking until the game is over. I, I was the opposite way. Early on, like with, with all these field goals and everything, I'm like, oh, I don't have the I'd, Cowboys defense and field goals. It's like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm losing a bunch of money. I'm losing a bunch of money today. And then the second half, everything, everything started working. That's why, like. The lineup yesterday, 
uh, on the uh, on the, the pre-lock show. Uh, I built my lineups just like Matt Mears. The new tools made building lineups so much easier. Right. The tools that we're talking about, the ones that come with the, the theory of DFS for advanced players. Theoryofdfs.com. Right. You use that alongside lineup HQ with the projections and the ownership to trim lineups. I did, I did, Matt probably did pretty much the same thing that I did. Right. Now I had different numbers in because I aggregate some projections. I changed some ownerships around. Uh, but, you know, I just basically create a whole bunch of lineups. I play, I created like, I don't know, 1,200 lineups in lineup HQ with different captains and different configurations. And then I brought them all into the duplication checker. An Excel, you know, spreadsheet that'll, you know, kind of predict based on product ownership and salary, you know, what's more duped. Out of the 1,200 lineups that I made, uh, there were like 900 that were still candidates. I got rid of all the over over fives, not under fours. And then I went into the portfolio trimmer and I just started trimming. Trimming by captain, trimming by salary. It's like, okay, these projections are too low. Getting rid of anything under this thing, getting oh too much ownership, and I got down to my seventy-five lineups that I played. But there was one lineup that I hand built that I liked amongst most all of them, right? And I I I decided to play the two twenty-two last night. I played two lineups. Typically, I don't. I only play the two twenty-two in showdown if there's like this is the lineup that I want to play. If I have a conviction on the the type of lineup that I want to play in a twenty-five hundred entry contest. Mostly, I just play the large field. But I wanted to see if I could play a Barkley captain lineup that wasn't going to be, that was less likely to really be duped in the in the 2,500 contest, right? So still using the most popular captain and the most projectable. In the Sims, Barkley was going to be the winning captain like 33% of the time. So I put it together. So I, I hand-built it and... Okay, I want to use one of the $200 tight ends. So many people were on Jake Ferguson last night. Okay, Jake Ferguson was, was I think, tw- 20. Well, my other lineup has Jake Ferguson in it. So I did that as, a, as an insurance policy. Where's my other lineup? What happened to my other lineup? Is my other lineup here somewhere? Splendor, okay. All right, Jake Ferguson was 30% owned in the 222. 30% owned. Hendershot was three. 10 to 1 difference with Dalton Schultz out. And I said on the show, I said, who says that Jake Ferguson is the one that that gets Dalton Schultz's work? Peyton Hendershot is a receiving tight end. Why can't it be Hendershot? Why can't it just, okay, well, Jake, you do what you do. And Hendershot, you play the Dalton Schultz role. And that's pretty much what happened. Ferguson's a better blocker, it seems like, and Hendershot isn't. So whenever I saw 87 and 89 on the field, I'm like, give it, give, give it a Hendershot. And Hendershot I, I did beat him out. Got seven points for a $200 player. Pretty good. Three for 43. How much, how much more can I ask for? I'd rather have a touchdown in there as well. So I thought there was such a discrepancy there between people playing Ferguson and, and Hendershot. And I'm like, I think, I think this lineup may be duped. I, I, it's a, it's a, I'm spending 49-7. So the, even with 2,500 entries, I'm like, maybe I'm duped once. It's a 200,000 the first contest. So it's like, okay, 150,000. Would I take 150,000 for this lineup? Okay, sure, give it to me. Right, so I plugged in Barkley, Lamb. I mean, I could have played Elliott over Pollard. 
but Pollard had a better projection. This was actually the best projected lineup if you locked in Barkley and you've locked in Hendershot in the flex. And at least the projection, the RG slash blitz slash aggregate slash whatever projections. So I'm like, this is this is what I want to, okay, I'm going to play this lineup in the 222. And it was, it ended up being uh, the highest scoring unique lineup. And that's really all I could ask for. Like being unique and having a sweat at the end. Right, if Pollard would have gotten an, an extra point, and then, I mean, I wasn't asking for much. I mean, the difference in this, it's like, dude, like all all Pollard had to do is get the get the the two carries that Zeke got at the, the last drive, or whatever that Zeke got the drive before that, and then Daniel Jones to not throw a pick and just dump the ball off the Barkley a couple of times to lose the game, at the end. That would have been two hundred thousand dollars uniquely. So, like, I what what else can I ask for? I have a sweat. This is the lineup that I I I liked the most. If I liked it the most, because I thought that the that the the ownership difference between Hendershot and Ferguson was just way out of whack. It's like in filling out a max type of salary lineup with Hendershot. Like, maybe maybe I could be even less unique. Yeah, three point four percent ownership. Give that to me. I had Hendershot in forty one percent of my lineups last night right and going through and the portfolio trimmer just like i'm just getting i had ferguson in 32 percent of them i just was playing a lot of these guys not necessarily even spending all of my money 47,000 48,000 those types of salaries so i had less of the defenses and the kickers <sighs> going through the youtube chat trigger says i find out i'm so much good at making money in soccer than football well soccer you're playing more often Right, there's a there's a big difference in sample size. You could be great at NFL, just to how many slates do you get? You don't get as many versus soccer. Dave Jones says I had Hendershot in my DK lineup and won eight hundred dollars in a two max contest. Well, congratulations, Nicola Litton. Did you have a fairly accurate ownership before the slate to know you had that big of an ownership benefit? Yes, I I didn't think I had that big. Like in the in the in the in the large field, it was a. I think it, in the large field, it was twenty four to three. Let me take a look here. Uh, if we take a look, filter. I don't know why I might have to filter by team. What's the all ownership, but not counting captain? So Ferguson, where's Ferguson? What happened to Ferguson? Let's see. This updated? What's going on? Yeah, this oh, this is the Monday night. This 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 must not be updated. All. Yeah, because these these ownerships don't make any sense, right? Zeke wasn't seven point three percent owned, so I have no idea. So uh, I could I could switch over. I think I think in the large field it was twenty four percent. Ferguson was twenty four percent owned, and Hendershot was three percent owned. Like here it was thirty to three in the in the. Large field, it was 24 to 3. So an 8, 8x differential between the two. I I projected 24 to 8. Like my my ownership projection was Ferguson would be 24% owned and Hendershot would be 8% owned. And I still got tons of Hendershot because of that. At 3%, I mean, that's even better. So a lot of the lines that I maybe I, I excluded because... I didn't. I thought they would be duped. Actually, weren't duped. And the lineups that I thought that I played that were maybe duped one or twice, once or twice, was unique. 
So it was the best of both worlds. So, I mean, I had plenty of him anyway. So, yeah, my ownership was that more people, more way more people were going to play Ferguson, even though projection-wise from the median, like the median projection on, on, on Ferguson was, depending on where you looked, somewhere between four and five, right? 4.2, 4.8, like something like that as a median. And Hendershot was like three and a half. Right, so like 3.1 or 3.8, something like, so like, dude, at those levels, like the distributions aren't, aren't, they're not that narrow. Like either, they're not, they're not seeing that many targets anyway. So like, it really comes down to who catches the touchdown. Like that most of their range of outcome between Ferguson and Hendershot comes down to touchdown equity, right? Which Ferguson had slightly more of based on the betting lines, at least. But outside of that, there's really no difference between them. Other than than uh, than Ferguson had a slightly better touchdown. I think Ferguson had like 20% touchdown equity, while Hendershot had 13% touchdown equity. That still doesn't account for the fact that one should, shouldn't be eight, eight times more owned than the other. In a very similar case, that it's quite like it's quite possible, more often than not, that. Hendershot is the one that takes over the Dalton Schultz rule anyway, and Ferguson doesn't change. And Ferguson really still is only a $200 player, and Hendershot could be a $5,000 player. It could be, it could work out the other way also. But not for that ownership discrepancy. So that, that's the reason why I like Peyton Hendershot yesterday. Never heard of him before yesterday. Never, literally never heard of him before yesterday. Didn't know he could, I had to look up. I went to University of Indiana or something, and whatever people were telling me about him. For for that play college DFS, but it's not a call. It's just like there's no reason. There's two guys at 200 that both have pretty much the same role, and one's going to be eight times more owned than the other. Like that just doesn't make the mathematically doesn't make any sense. So that's 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 when I say okay, I'm going to put in the 222, right? I'm going to put in 75 lineups. I originally started with 40 lineups. I was going to play 40 lineups in a large field contest yesterday, and that's it. That's it. And I'm like, yeah, this Hendershot Ferguson thing, I I, I want to play more. I want to play more lineups. So I played 75 in the large field, and then I played two 222 lineups. And I even played the same lineup with Ferguson in it, which was duped four ways. Just in case. I didn't want to like, okay, like, oh, because I got this $200 player wrong. Right? Most likely, if this lineup does well anyway, it's the other lineup's going to cash as well. Right? If Hendershot had... 20 points, for instance, and Ferguson had zero at 3% ownership, like the other lineup, Barkley, Lamb, Jones, Pollard, Gano, they all would have done well anyway. I would have cashed that lineup as well. I just didn't want to get incentive. Like, do I, how much of a stake do I want to put down on, on this when I could build the same lineup with the same same five other players in it anyway? And it's still a Barkley captain lineup. And that lineup was only duped four ways in a 2,500-person contest, which I, I would have tried to avoid. But the winning lineup was, was duped four ways just like in the in the large field the winning lineup was duped 123 ways kicker captain 1.6 percent owned duped 123 ways so no I, I that's not that's not a lineup that is uh that i'm that i i, I would play i don't play kicker captain line they did just they just i i play defense captain over over kicker captains and defense captains i play way less of than than most people 
going through the YouTube chat on answering your questions. Today, it's like it's like toss-up Tuesday, right? Go over yesterday's uh, showdown slate, right? Maybe it's a shorter show. Who knows? What is there to talk about, right? We're still waiting on injury stuff. Is De- DeAndre Swift maybe out? Amon Ross St. Brown is whatever. Sterling Shepard, I don't know what happened to him at the end of the game, but he's probably dead, right? So uh, who knows what happens? Is, is, is it... Uh, is it Sims? Is it going to be Sims? Is Galladay? Galladay had a drop. Galladay didn't even have a good game. He was chirping and stuff last week. I only got like one, two snaps. Comes in and look horrible. Horrible. So is it is it David Sills time? Is it Richie James time? Is Darius Slayton going to come out and whatever? Who knows? Who knows what happens with the Giants? So like, we'll figure that out later in the week. But I'll, I'll, answer, I'll answer any of your questions, right? Even the stupid ones. I'm giving, I'm giving a benefit of the doubt, right? I made some money last night on Showdown. I'm in a good mood, right? It's not $200,000, but hey, if you could profit playing that many lineups in Showdown, that, that's that's a good day. That's a good day. Typically, it's like minus 30%. Shark Killer G at any percentage could have Matt Collins not have played Sunday. Uh, you know, if you have a time machine, maybe... What you have to do, what you have to do, Shark Killer G, you got to get into your time machine and you got to, you got to, you got to do the, the old Tanya Harding, right? If you get the reference, you take, you know, whatever crowbar or something, you get someone to hit Matt Collins and before practice or something so he doesn't play. That's what you had to do. That was the key to winning on Sunday, right? To go back in time and make sure Matt Collins didn't put up 33 points. Dakota Litton. For a main slate, do you use your dedupe tool? No. Maybe just for a stack. Like, Allen is always popular, but do you look at duplicates of Allen plus David, for example? No. There's too many... This on, on a 12-game, 13-game slate, there's just so many combinations that I I don't care about dupes. I may care about combinatorial ownership. Like, I'm less likely to have, like, Allen plus Diggs plus Fournette plus Montgomery plus Irv Smith. Like, like I just... I don't want to be a 2v2 of the cash lineup in GPP. I'd rather be a 4v4, 5v5. I'd rather have different, you know, matrices of players. So I don't need to use the dupe tool because the dupe tool will just say that it's probably not duped. I mean, like, other than, like, cash lineups and stuff. So no. So I I, I don't use the duplication predictor. I use the portfolio correlation matrix more to see what other people are doing and what the lineups look like and what players stick together more. And then I kind of group those players out and make sure I have less of those types of combinations. And then I use the portfolio trimmer and trim from there. Typically for a main slate, I could be, I could easily make 3,000 lineups. Easily. Typically I'm making three to 5,000 lineups. And if I'm I'm pairing it all of that down to 100 or whatever, whatever, 85 I played. Then out of those 85, I picked 10 out of those 85 to play in the, the, small, the, the single entry three max, spy, the power sweep. That are still a thousand to five thousand entries, so it's not like it's that small, but it's not like it's not it's not the milli or anything. Matt Mears was your stupid Saturday on Twitter a one-time thing. It's not well, not a one-time, but the the reason I don't do stupid Saturday anymore. I mean, the real reason is because I play MMA and I like watching it, right? So I typically do do soccer in the morning for EPL, so I'm up early doing soccer, and then. MMA and then I watch MMA and uh, I want to go to sleep, right? I run my NFL stuff, like the portfolio stuff, uh, maybe the night before, and then I wake up Sunday and I do my do my NFL work. 
So I just, it's a time. It's like, I do all these shows already. Stupid Saturday was a thing maybe before I did the pregame show. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not on as much to talk about things. So I'll, I consider doing the stupid Saturdays on, on Saturdays that don't have a UFC slate. So maybe uh, next, not this Saturday, but the week after that. Because there, there's going to there's be a week off for UFC again next week. So maybe then, right? So that type of stuff. Or maybe before Thanksgiving. Like typically Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, there's nothing going on. And I'll, I'll, get, I'll get on Twitter, Periscope, whatever. And I'll do that. What does it matter? Yeah, Jason Hall asked the same question. I do all these shows on Roto-Grinders. You can ask me anything you want. Dude, I do a premium game theory show. Sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium. That comes out Friday afternoon. Me and Tuttle talk all about that, the vomit stack show, even though that it's really not a thing anymore. But all the stacks and the, the game theory plays and the leverage, I do I do a show like that every week. I do it, right? Me and Tuttle. The game theory, the NFL game theory show. But that's only for premium, premium people. It's a premium show. You got to sign up. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month, right? You also get Lineup HQ. I mean, I use Lineup HQ like every day. So practically, practically the home screen of my browser. So you get that. You get all the projections. You get everything. You get all the content. You get the great iron IQ. You get all the NFL stuff, the NBA stuff. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, why wouldn't you get that? And then you get you get my show on Fridays also. Smart Killer G says, no, I'm saying, how could people have not played Mac Collins at that price last week? And I'm going back. Well, who says that Matt Collins was going to do well? Renfro being out didn't really change change Matt Collins that much. Matt Collins didn't run Hunter Renfro's routes. He didn't. Matt Collins ran the same routes. He just ran. He's 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 running the routes on the opposite side of Devontae Adams. The thing is, is that the coverage tends to go to Devontae Adams, and Matt Collins is constantly getting one one on one coverage. So they threw to him more. That that's really what it comes down to. That's really what it comes down to sometimes. Right? So people see receivers out and whatever. Oh, they're going to fill in and get get exactly that role. Like, no. Matt Collins did not have any different role that he had the week before. Other than the fact that Renfro was out, he would. 3,300, though. He's still going to probably, he's still probably going to generate a 15 plus percent target share. So why not take it? For 3,300. Romeo Dobbs was in a very similar situation also. But they, these are very, very fragile situations. Understand that regardless of the results that happened, you want to take advantage of fragility. Exactly what I did yesterday when it came to the, the Hendershot versus Ferguson. That, that situation was absurdly fragile. You have two $200 tight ends, Dalton Schultz is out, and who knows what? We don't, we don't know what they're practicing behind the scenes or anything like that. People just assume, oh, Ferguson got 56% of the snaps the week before. He's just going to fill in. He's just going to he's going to play every snap. Like, how, do you, how are you sure of this? This is fragile. We don't have data. We, don't, we do not have data on this at all or very limited data. And the data we do have could not even tell you the whole story. Oh, well, that, that was in that situation, but not in this situation. Or that was in that type of game, but not this type of game. And then people just make like, they get overconfident 
in very fragile situations, and then you take advantage of it by playing going the other way of what other people do. Right? If, if hey, if the narrative last, if hey, if it turned out that oh, oh Peyton Hendershot's just going to fill in, and Hendershot would would have been twenty eight percent owned, and Ferguson was three, I would have just had Ferguson in that line. So I'm not, I'm even trying, I'm not even trying to like make a call. I'm just saying, where is the variance? Where is the fragility? So the Mac Collins thing, that's that's extremely fragile. But all of the cheap receivers, like Romeo Dobbs, that's fragile. Brashad, any of the Buccaneers receivers, who knows what's happening there, right? Between Gage and Perriman and Scotty Miller. Like I, you, you couldn't be surprised if Scotty Miller went eight for 140. With two touchdowns. Or Prajad Perriman went, you know, three for 100 with two touchdowns. It could be any of these things. The Packers, maybe Randall Cobb has 10 catches. Who knows? We do, it, The situation is extremely fragile. So you look for the fragile situations, and especially when the field gets too overconfident in a certain situation, you, play, you, you fade or play the other side. Doesn't mean you can't play it at all. You still can. That's why I played a ton of Robio and Dubs in GPP, but not in my cash lineup. My cash lineup, I if I wanted to keep T. Higgins in my lineup, I needed I I, I needed the five hundred dollars to get down to Mac Collins, and I figured back between Mac Collins, Rashad Perriman, and Romeo Dubs, I close your eyes, throw it up in the air, and the results and the outcomes could be whatever. Right between the three of them, it's going to be about e- on average about equal, right? But on that given week, who knows? Matt Collins has five points and Dubs has 33 points. It could, it could have happened that Perriman has 28. Could have been any of those. But since Matt Collins was the cheapest, I just, okay, well, at least I have Higgins in my line. Like, that's for cash games. I didn't, I, Matt Collins I still had in, in GPP, but I have more Dobbs in GPP. I'm more Perriman in GPP. Because Matt Collins ain't really the type of receiver that puts up that type of line. He did. He did. Is it going to happen again? Probably not. Dakota Lydon says, reminds me of the book Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. Oddly enough, I've read all of his books. Not all of his books. It's four of his books. Yes. Read, 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 uh, uh, whatever. I'll go with the, uh, Fooled by Randomness. Black Swan. Anti-Fragile. Like, it, it pl- Fooled by Randomness is probably the best book for for beginners, if you want to call it. If you don't think probabilistically, Fooled by Randomness, I think, is the easier read. But yes, Nassim Taleb's books, yes, exactly. That's that's how you have to think, right? Nassim Taleb doesn't write DFS books. He's not writing about fantasy football, right? But as far as thinking probabilistic, how, how the average human brain just doesn't grasp, like, probabilities, and how to train train your brain to think that way. Something either can happen or can never happen. Or it gets fooled by anecdotal. And there's so many biases. Selection biases that it gets fooled by. That's why you could. That's why you have all these sites. And the news could run, run stuff. And it, uh, the headline makes it seem. Makes you think one thing. When in fact it's not. Right? Because imagine if I told you this. Right. This, 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 this is something you'll see, you'll see on the news. This is why you have to look at the studies that they cite. Over the, if I told you headline wise, I'm making this up. So I don't, I don't know if this is true. There has been a 300% increase in, in crime in this neighbor, in this neighborhood, uh, 
300% increase in crime in this neighborhood year over year. Would you, and, and you, you were looking to move somewhere, right? You're like, you're, you're looking, you're looking for a house or whatever. And you're like, yeah, you have a nice, it's, it looks like a nice neighborhood. It's like, okay, it has good schools and everything, whatever, whatever you're doing. And then you you find out it's like, well, there's been a 300% increase in crime in murder even, or whatever in crime. And you'd be like, okay, we can't move here. 300%. That's a lot year over year. That's the headline. 300, 300%. Right. Yeah, it's gone up from one to three. Last year there was one. There was one crime. One one crime. Whatever the crime. Pickpocket or whatever. And maybe it was it was something really minor. One this year. This cow twelve months three. And two of them were for like you know some fifteen year old like peed on the sidewalk or something like that that type of crime. But. 300% increase. Yeah, 300% increase. If if there was 100,000 crimes happening and now it's 300,000, yeah, that's a lot. To add another 200,000 cr- crimes in a, in a neighborhood, yeah, that would be a lot. But one to three, come on, really. If you look if you look in the past, it's like, oh, certain years there were four. Some years there were two. Some years there were zero. Some years there were five. But in the grand scheme of things, dude, if there was only five crimes reported an entire year in an entire neighborhood, you would think it's the safest place ever, right? So the 300% increase, but this is, this is exactly what, what people will, people will do. I, the, the most, the one that I, that I hate the most, I mean, I'm a little bit biased because I didn't go to college is the one that says that uh, the study, which is probably like four years old, that, uh, that people with college degrees will on average earn a million dollars or more in their lifetimes versus people that don't have a college degree. And then you think, okay, that makes sense, right? Statistically, you think, okay, that, that makes sense, but you don't, you don't, you don't think further into it. You don't, you don't see how there's a selection bias in that. The selection bias is that it's not controlled for people that didn't go to college that could have gone to college. Okay, so on average, you have to expect on average. A person that gets into college and completes college. Versus a person that doesn't get into college and or doesn't even complete high school. The intellect level is going to be different, right? So on average, the types of people that go to college. Even if they didn't go to college would probably make a million over a million in their life, like a million more than other people. So there's no, not necessarily a bearing that they went to college. Just that, that, oh, they're the type of person that could learn a skill well and complete a project and get a, get a piece of paper that says, yes, I went to this thing. I did this thing that I committed to and I completed it. Like that's that's all it says, right? So controlling for that, what, what does the stat mean? It means nothing. It's a selection bias, right? The, the, common, the common selection bias, you'll always see the chart with the, the fighter jet. With the with the with the wings, right? That's the common. That's the everyone will always show you that for the World War II. That I don't I don't even know if it's a real story from World War II, right? That the planes would cut the planes would, that would come back, right? Would have all the damage on cer- certain areas of the wings. So they would, so they would so the people would say, well, wow, the wings are getting damaged at all these places. They reinforced those spots but that's the wrong way to think 
said what you should be doing when the planes come back with with the the, the damage is that you should reinforce the places that aren't damaged you go well why would we want to reinforce the places that aren't damaged because those are the planes that didn't return so if all these planes are returning and in this parts of the wing they took a ton of damage meaning that most of the planes that aren't here that got shot down probably took that same damage but they took the damage in other places that made them fall into the ground or whatever or blow up or something so you should be reinforcing the spots that aren't damaged. That the plane, all the dots with that it comes back. I mean, I could show you that you, you you've seen it before, right? The the wings, the logic. Your the human brain goes, oh yeah, oh, it's damaged. Let's let's make sure to to do that better. It's like, well, they returned even with that damage, so that isn't the problem. The problem is the places that that didn't take damage from the planes that returned. Like that's a selection bias. Rob Gardner even says, my favorite is 50% of accidents happen within two miles of your house, which is also where you spend 50% of your driving distribution. Right, exactly. Exactly the same, same type of thing. Right? Exactly the same. Oh, it's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, more, you're much more likely to, more, much more likely to get into a car accident within two miles of your house than with 100 miles of your house. So, so if you're on a trip, if, you're, if, you're, if I'm driving from here to, from Louisville to Chicago, like once I leave the Louisville area, I'm so much safer. Like that, 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 that isn't, that, that isn't true. That isn't true at all. Right. Yeah. Most of it happens because you're most, most of the time you're within two miles of your house. Yes. If you spend 95% of your time within two miles of your house, if you're going to get into an accident, it's probably going to be in that time because that's the time you're in a car. Right. Right. Those types of things. But most, most people, they, you see a headline that that's that the headlines and you, you don't piece the two and two together. Right. Things aren't controlled. You're not looking at the exact study, right? People look and they're, and they're, they're deceiving you. The headline is, is, I mean, it's not even statistics. I mean, I remember my, my back in the day, because I mean, I was a computer nerd and I, I was in, you know, on the internet on BBS's way before the general public. And I used to see like local news or something. It's like, oh, uh, like in 1995 or something or six, like really in the early consumer internet of like, you could get a virus from email. Don't open your email. Don't open your email. There's a virus going around. Don't open your email. National news. Don't open it. The, the, the Melissa virus or whatever the hell it was. Don't open your email. And I'm like, like, this is just fundamentally wrong. You can open your email. Don't download the attachment and run it. I mean, like that, you need to do something else than other just than opening your email. But what it did is just it scared people to open their, I, I can't touch email. Uh, this internet thing, okay, this sucks. This internet thing sucks and I'm, I can't open my, the news said not to open my email. It's like, well, don't, don't click on it. Uh, don't download an attachment and run an EXE file from some random email address that you don't know of. Like that, that's the headline. That should be the headline. Like your computer ain't gonna blow up if you just check your email. It ain't. And it, it's it, it ain't gonna happen. But headlines are headlines, and that's technically they're not telling you anything. It's like, oh yeah, you could get a virus from your email. Yes, apps tech you are technically correct, but it's not just simply the process of opening your email. Right. Just not simply that, but other people will think that. So that's what I look at when it comes to a lot of like statistics stuff. Right. Oh, oh, I won ten thousand dollars by a hundred and thirty-two way chop, a hundred and twenty-three way chop. It's like this is I could perfectly build this lineup as long term and be profitable. No, you can't. 
This one instance, sure. Yeah, of course. Don Montgomery says, that's it, I'm moving. Yeah, because as long as you're driving, as long as you're driving two miles, more than two miles away from your house, you're safe. Two, within two miles, it's a death trap. Like That's that's what the stats say. <sighs> what else in the chat before we get out of here? Don Montgomery says, that show with Tuttle is awesome. And the Squirrel Patrol show is awesome also. Yeah, the solo ship with uh, JM to win and Squirrel Patrol. You should listen to that out. That's a free show, right? That's on YouTube. That's on the podcast feed, right? You can get all the podcasts on the podcast feed and iTunes, Daily Fantasy Football podcast feed. You can get this show. People do listen to the show every day on the Roto-Grinders pregame show podcast feed. You can subscribe to that or you can watch here on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs. That's a shorter show today. What else is there to do? There's nothing to do. We went over some showdown stuff. I answered some questions. We talked about planes and statistics lying. Right, we talk about selection bias. So you learn some stuff. Get some Nassim Taleb books. Right. Sometimes his writing is a, sometimes a little bit. He could say things in a little bit simpler ways, but uh, I, I still think they're good. So so pick pick those up as well. Pick up the theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players. How to apply profitable DFS strategies with uh, with the ten chapter audio course, six hours of audio, and seven custom tools in Excel for you to use to build lineups, weed them out, find the highest EV lineups through using blunt methodologies that you can. So that's theoryofdfs.com, rotogrinders.com slash premium, right? You could sign up, click on that link, get $10 off your first month. And, uh, and yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm here. I'm here every day, pretty much, pretty much. It's a, it's a, maybe Saturday. I think Saturday is the only time that I don't do it. I don't do a show on Rotogrinders of some type. Because even Sunday, I'm doing the Twitter spaces. So I'm like, it's, I, I'm, I never stop. I never stop. So if you got a question, I got an answer. And I'll be here doing that Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>